Welcome back to the Crow's Nest. My name is Jackson Shank, alongside my co-hosts, Justin Valenzuela and Michael Federico, as we are here for episode 41, where we're going to be breaking down NFL week three. We got our winners and losers once again. It's our third edition, as it is week three of the NFL season. So, fellas, with that being said, what's going on in your lives? Let's uh, let's chit-chat a little bit before we get into this. Oh, uh, you know, Jackson, I just... Uh, pulled off a heist in fantasy football today. In my opinion, I swapped. So I picked James Robinson and Michael Thomas. Now, when I picked James Robinson, I had full intentions of selling him as high as possible as quickly as I could. Since week one, I've been trying to trade him. Nobody's wanted him, and then he continues to do well. Last week, dropping uh, like 20 points. I should have traded for him last week. Yeah, Jackson. I was going to give him to Jackson, and Jackson was being a little stingy. And now, all of a sudden, he doesn't have him, and he's all sad. But that's all right. I flipped... Him and Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas had two touchdowns week one, and then another one. His fantasy production is really just him catching touchdowns, and he's never had more than eight in a season. So I was like, you know what? Their value is super high right now. Michael Thomas is already going on a decline. That Saints offense looks horrible. So I'm like, all right, let's do this as quickly as possible. I traded those two for Christian McCaffrey. I feel like that's a highway robbery in my opinion, regardless of how well McCaffrey does. I'm selling two guys who I think their ceiling is right now. Uh, they're only statistically going to get worse, in my opinion. So I feel like I've won that trade easily. Well, who are your running backs now? <coughs> Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, and in the flex, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> That's the biggest flex, literally. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty pretty filthy. Don't talk about my receivers, though. We don't talk about it. <laughs> Is it Devonta Smith and DK? <laughs> DK, a combination of DK, Devonta Smith, and Elijah Moore. I'm There's gonna... a weak spot on every team. It's all right, Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I uh, I recently got over a little sickness. That was that was yesterday. I had like you know, Justin, you're talking about pulling off a heist. I just had I don't know. Felt like someone had like robbed me because like I mean you could hear it in my voice a little bit, but like I was so bedridden yesterday. Like I would I had body aches and stuff like that. So I took some time, watched a movie. Fire film, by the way. If y'all haven't ever seen Wanted with uh, with James McAvoy, Angelina Jolie, and Morgan Freeman, bro, that movie's crazy. They like, I don't know, it's a movie about assassins and they like curve bullets and shit. I think I've seen that movie. It's pretty sick. Is there a scene where there's like, it's like this like machine and there's like a bunch of like strings and he's got to like... Time it perfectly. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's it's a, a good. Yeah, that's a good movie. That's a good movie. <clears throat> it was. It was pretty fire. Um. But yeah, I mean, I had I had an interesting day. So. Little little up for Justin, little down for me, Mike. How about yourself? Well, I don't have anything that's been going on in the past, but for the future, I'm actually going to Indianapolis over the weekend, week four, to watch. Which over the summer looked like a great matchup of two strong running backs of Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Now I'm going to Indianapolis to see a one one and one team and a one and two team face off with both their running backs not playing like how they were playing last year. However, it's still early on in the season, nonetheless I'm of course very excited to go out to Indianapolis and watch my Colts team play. Although I am 0 three watching them in person. Ooh. That's unfortunate. You know what, though? That's still a great matchup in the sense that this division matchup, you t- I mean, regardless, outside, um, yes, the Jaguars are good right now, but I think at the end of the season, it's really kind of g- come down to you guys. 
So this is going to be a huge matchup for the future. So obviously the players are going to know that on the field. It'll definitely be an exciting game. The AFC South is an absolute scramble. And you know what? I don't think there's a better segue to my winner this week. Let's uh, let's get into our winners and losers because my winner this week is none other than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, that's right. The team that I thought was going to be 4-13 and is already halfway to their win total for the season. They are 2-1, and one, and quite frankly, they look very good. They came out and dominated a weak and injured, yes, Los Angeles Chargers team. But to win 38-10 to 10 is still impressive nonetheless. So Trevor Lawrence is playing very well. He's distributing the football. But most importantly, he's found a wide receiver one in Christian Kirk. And James Robinson, like Justin talked about in the fantasy value, he's been, he's been killing it. So that offense has started to click. Trayvon Walker's adding a little pressure on the on the other side of things. And Doug Peterson's doing a hell of a job down in Duval. Yeah, Jackson, you mentioned Christian Kirk being wide receiver one. Don't forget about, I mean, everything goes back to fantasy, honestly, when we're talking about football. But Zay Jones is not only a great flex option in a 12-man league, but Zay Jones is also a great wide receiver for this Jaguars team. And, you know, over the offseason, we saw the Jag- uh, Jaguars make these signings. I mean, they gave Christian Kirk all that money, and you're like, yeah, who is this guy? Why are they giving him 70-something million dollars? And they're showing their weapons on this Jaguars offense is something to see. I mean, Evan Ingram, who looked like a lost cause last year with the Giants, is really redeeming himself, and he looks like a tight end one for this team. And James Robinson, you know, coming back from a torn Achilles late in the in the season last season. I think that's something that no one really talks about enough is that this guy tore his Achilles very late into the season and now he's producing the way he was producing before the injury. It just, Travis Etienne too, uh, the other guy in the backfield, paired with his Clemson teammate, Trevor Lawrence, who I don't want to speak too early as we know overreactions right after the week is over is always something that every NFL fan does. But Trevor Lawrence is showing flashes of his Clemson days and is showing why he was the first overall pick to the Jags and why he's going to be that franchise quarterback for the next 10 or 12 years. Yeah, absolutely. He's You, you hit it perfectly. Glimpses. You know what you're saying? Right now we're in a hot streak, and he's a young quarterback, so expect him to cool off. I don't expect him to continue this the whole season. But it's really amazing what you can do when Urban Meyer isn't crippling you as a head coach. I never understood why they bought him in, and I remember because obviously – I'm going to be a quote-unquote homer, but it's just easier for me to like speak it in this way. The Jets hired Rob Sala in the same cycle as Urban Mayer, and they drafted Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson in the same draft. So obviously, they're going to be compared often. And a lot of people, and I don't know if it's just because people like to hate on the Jets or whatever, but a lot of people were like, Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence are going to be so much better, blah, 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 blah. Urban Meyer was such a good coach in college. He sucked in the NFL. Like, we've already known this, and we knew he was going to suck again. I don't know why people expected any worse, and it was an absolute dumpster fire there. But I think they made a great hire in bringing in Doug Peterson because he has a ring. He has a pedigree with dealing with a young quarterback and controversy when, you know, Nick Foles came in and all this stuff and having to right the ship. I think he was the perfect guy for the job. Now, I picked the Jags to go 7-10. and 10. I expected good things from them. 
But I think people need to calm down just a little bit. You know, they're picking them to lock for the playoffs and all this stuff. You know, they played a, a, you know, a Colts team that's really low on moral. They just beat the Chiefs. You know, it's early in the season. Really banged up Chargers team. Like, a really, even Justin Herbert was banged up. And I'm really questioning Brandon Staley as a head coach now. Um, and then, you know, obviously losing to the Commanders. Look at how good the Commanders look this year. You know what I'm saying? It, it's yeah. still way too early to expect too much from the Jaguars. But sitting at 2-1 and one through 3 is really good for them. It's a really great place to start. That's the that's the beauty of this of this component of each episode is or this segment in the weekly episodes is that they're a winner for the week they don't have to be you know a winner for the rest of the season but they are a winner for the week and yeah that's why i chose the jags as they came out and flourished on sunday against the chargers all right justin you want to you want to take the reins on your Oh winner? yeah. I'll talk about a, I'll talk about another 2 and 1 team here. Uh speaking of controversy in the quarterback room and things of that nature. Oh my god. The Dallas Cowboys defeated the Giants on Monday Night Football uh with Cooper Rush as the quarterback. Now I know what you're saying. Oh my god, the Cowboys. Who wants to talk about the Cowboys? Blah blah. Everyone said their season was over. They're like, "Ah, they're dead. It's over." But, you know, the offense is playing well in my opinion, with Cooper Rush. So imagine when Dak comes back. Yes, they threw a dud against the Buccaneers. It's the Buccaneers' first week of the season. It's a very, very long season. They're holding it down. Dak's probably going to come back week five, I think. That's that's what it looks like they're eyeing. So I picked them as my winner for the week. You know, yet again winning with Cooper Rush. He's now 3-0 and as a starter for the Dallas Cowboys. No, he's not going to take Dak's job. Let's 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 nip that in the bud right oh, now. Oh, come on now. Jerry Jones is ready to have a quarterback battle. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, Dak is the that guy. They're paying him too much money to not be that guy. But, you know, it's just a great effort, and their defense looked really solid. Their defense continues to look really good. And, you know, we were questioning. The Dallas Cowboys had so many questions coming into the season, and then Dak getting hurt. Dak getting hurt really did not help that whatsoever. So, I just I'm really impressed with how the defense is played and the offense and just holding it down until Dak comes back and you know keeping it competitive because this division is not going to be a cakewalk this year. The Eagles are a very good football team. They're the only undefeated team in the NFC, so it's it's going to be a battle to the very end for this division. And I'm you know I'm really impressed with the fact that they're heading into potentially a three and one uh, situation when Dak comes back healthy. Yeah, you know watching the Cowboys, I'm. I would say secondary a Cowboys fan just because my dad is a Cowboy fan. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to say root, but I react the same way he reacts mm-hmm. when something bad happens. And it's very funny to watch, and I do enjoy it. But I also do feel the same pain he does because a little part of me, you know, a little three-year-old me wearing an Emmett Smith jersey is still a little little piece of me as a Cowboy fan. How, so watching the Cowboys with him, week after week and disappointment after disappointment. Cooper Rush being 3 and 0 as a quarterback is crazy to me. And yeah. don't get me wrong, Dak is the guy. I mean, I went to Texas, I went to AT&T Stadium, everything is Dak. That is Dak's team, that is Dak's city. I would even say state because we all know the Texans aren't yeah, that great of a team. <laughs> yeah, and it's when you think of Texas football, you think of the Cowboys. Correct. So the defense was, I mean, there's so many dogs on that team. Granted, they did play the Giants offensive line, which did sell that game because Daniel Jones actually had a good game. He didn't have a Daniel Jones moment until the very last play of the game where he got 
picked off, and it wasn't even really his fault because his wide receiver slipped. Yeah. But, I mean, you talk about Trayvon Diggs, as we know, who is very he's, – he's like a coin, right? Heads and tails. You're either going to get a bunch of interceptions or he's going to give up a bunch yeah. of yards. Well, I feel like he's – he did let up over 100 yards yesterday or Monday, but I outside of that, I mean, he locked up Jamar Chase, and then in the Buccaneers game, he looked pretty solid too. I think he may be might be taking a little bit of a jump into like it was pretty funny last year. Yes, he had a bunch of picks, let up a bunch of yards, but you know he's working on his craft. He had a horrible rookie season, bounced back, had a great second year, and now this year he's seemingly improving his coverage skills. And then you got Micah Parsons too. Like I'm sure you're about to mention just. A lot of dogs on that defense. Micah Parsons is without. He's not even a dog. He's a lion. Yeah, as we know, feed him. Uh, D. Law came sacks. out of nowhere. Three sacks. Yep. And it's funny because after he got his first sack, me and my dad are like, he he was playing tonight. He he was able to wear a jersey. We didn't know because the whole season he's been quiet. Yeah. Leighton Vanderesh, he's starting to play well. So there's so many key players on this Cowboys team that have not really been what they were in the past or starting to come back to the player that they used to be. And one player who's not really fully coming back, I would say, is Ezekiel Elliott. But when you got a guy like Tony Pollard back there who's getting seven or eight yards a pop with speed and burst to the outside, Zeke is great if you want one or two yards and you just want to put your head down and try to run through the line. But if you want a guy who's going to go out to the outside and get 30 or 35 yards, put Tony P in. Yeah, I love a good one-two punch in the run game. This has been one of the most talented rosters throughout the NFL for the past couple seasons. It has been. It has been. And I, I you know, I find it hilarious that this team is most successful management wise when they have a backup quarterback in. Why that's the case, I have no idea. But hey, the Cowboys are two and L without Dak Prescott this season and three and L without Dak Prescott total. You know, you got some you got some Mickey Mouse games in there. I would say Kirk Cousins on Monday night has been historically awful. That happened last season. And then I mean, the Bengals, they were struggling a little bit, right? And then, you know, you, you face the Giants, which yes, they're two and oh, but everyone knows they are still the Giants. All right, Mike, let's hear your winner for this week and then we'll uh we'll get into losers. Yeah, my winner for this week is going to be Lamar Jackson, LJ8. Hell yeah. Lamar Jackson. Action Jackson, baby. Action Jackson has been on an absolute tear. Just to ramble off some stats, he's got 749 passing yards, 10 touchdowns, 2 picks. He has the most passing touchdowns in the league. He also has, on the ground, 243 rushing yards with 2 rushing touchdowns and 1 fumble. He's fifth in the league in rush yards as a quarterback. And I know there's always the jokes. Lamar Jackson is a running back. However, he's showing he can put the ball in the air. And the crazy thing about it is is that during the offseason, he actually gained 25 pounds of muscle, and he's still outrunning guys. To me, that if that doesn't show you how valuable he is, I mean, the Ravens are 2-1 and one after losing to the 3-0 Dolphins, which they did blow that ginormous lead to late in the game. Definitely more on the defense than Lamar. 100%. And the only thing is, is about the offense is that Lamar Jackson is the offense. He doesn't have really that many weapons. I would say he has one weapon, 
and it's Mark Andrews. Stud. And it's similar to Mahomes. The only weapon Mahomes has is Travis Kelsey. However, I understand Mahomes is Mahomes, but LJ is LJ. I do think that the Chiefs have a better overall team than the Ravens. However, I think Lamar Jackson is a more valuable piece to his team than Mahomes is to the Chiefs. That's a pretty bold take. I'm going to I see a man pondering. I'm going to just back off. Yeah, so I I don't I don't know. I mean, I can I can understand your take behind that because of one coaching differences to uh the the excessive amount of just role players that Chiefs have at the wide receiver position and the fact that they have one of the best O-lines in football. But I'm not going to discredit Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay. I'm not going to discredit the fact that they aren't like receivers that can make plays. Devin Duvernay had has had a deep touchdown so far. Rashad Bateman's been hit several times on deep touchdowns from Lamar Jackson, so they're explosive. But screw the argument, okay, that, that Mike just dropped. Can, you, can somebody pay this guy? Pay the man. It is one of those situations where you... I don't think we understand how great Lamar Jackson is at winning. Okay? Like, this guy, when he is healthy, is amazing. He puts up all these crazy numbers. Puts up so many points in games. I mean, he's the he's the leading passing scorer right now. He's always in the MVP conversation. Why is this man not being paid? I don't know. Because it feels a lot to me like the Aaron Judge argument, where it's like, this guy is so productive offensively, why not? And not only that, he has done it for several seasons. Like, this is a guy who you know can produce, was the number one seed in the AFC before he got hurt last year, and has just been so incredible throughout his career. So... Pay LJ, please. And uh, yeah, although they had that they had that loss to Miami, the Ravens the Ravens look great. Yeah, I mean, I picked the Avens, Ravens to win the AFC, and I picked Lamar Jackson to be my MVP. But that argument comparing him to Aaron Judge is actually a really curious one. So, in my eyes, at least, the Yankees were like, all right, well, Judge has not been healthy in the last three years, and. You know, not very good in the playoffs. Obviously, he's good, but we haven't done much in the playoffs. Why are we going to commit all this money just for mediocrity in the playoffs? And the one knock on Lamar Jackson, and I think everyone knows this at this point, he's 1-3 in the playoffs. So I could see if the Ravens were coming from that angle, but like you said, he's just so lethal and such a weapon. Even to this day, we know he wants to run the ball. We know he's a, he's a threat with his legs. You just can't stop him. He's unstoppable. you got to pay him. I think he's he's probably going to get an, at another accolade in MVP or at least Offensive Player of the Year. So, yeah, 12 total touchdowns on the year already. He's just such a weapon. Um, so I could definitely, definitely see the Ravens shooting them. And, and, you know, the Yankees are definitely shooting themselves in the foot too. You know, Aaron Judge just earned himself probably like $75 million more dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Lamar Jackson just... He's boosting. Each time he does well, his value just skyrockets. And if he wins MVP, bring out the Brinks truck because he's going to yeah. be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. Absolutely, and I think the biggest thing is guaranteed money with him. All right, let's get into our losers for the week as these are some teams we thought were not so bright, and I'm going to start right at home with this one. 
Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs lost the biggest trap game of the season to the Indianapolis Colts as Kelsey dropped a, uh, a touchdown pass. Chris Jones had one of the saddest, so such a pathetic penalty. And I cannot wait to talk about this with you, Mike. I've been waiting for a little while to talk about this. I mean, he got flagged for talking to Matt Ryan. That's hilarious, bro. That is so funny. Um, and we had a Jets practice squad kicker as our kicker this week. And guess what? He cost us seven points. A missed field goal, which was a yard beyond a PAT. A PAT. And we had to fake a field goal because we didn't have confidence in him on 4th and 11. And we had Tommy Townsend throwing to was that third string tight end Noah Gray? Yeah. Chiefs had a horrible showing on special teams as well. Sky Moore, wow, looked really, really bad when it came to returning punts. I think the the Colts had two punts within the five-yard line, something like that. And despite the Chiefs getting two turnovers in this game against Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor, a game-managing or a game-managing team, They failed to outscore the Colts. So, a pathetic showing from the Chiefs, horrible game management, and this, as much as as much as much I love Mike, and I know he's a Colts fan, this was not a Colts win. This was a Chiefs loss, and, you know, you can, you can look at me and say it's a Colts win. It is in the record. It is in the scorebooks. But take me back to that 4th and 15 play. What in God's name was that ref thinking? Okay, I just want to say a couple things. One, I do agree with you to some extent that it was not a Colts win, it was a Chiefs loss. However, when that call penalty was called, the Chiefs defense still has a job to stop the Colts offense. The Colts took the opportunity that Chris Jones gave them and were able to execute, therefore winning the game. So, I do agree with you that if that call is not called I mean that was obviously absurd and it's funny because after the play was over I was praying that an unsportsmanlike conduct would have been called because I saw Chris Jones kind of leaning over Matt Ryan but Matt Ryan was coming off the field smiling Quentin Nelson who is the number one bodyguard I think in the league maybe behind Trent Williams but Quentin Nelson is a man of a person. So I was just praying and hoping that unsportsman would have been called. And it was. And I was I was like, the game's over. We lost this game to the Chiefs. We could have had this one. I can't believe my team is winless through week three. And it was called. And I was like, okay, now we need to score. The Chiefs defense did not do their end of the job. You would think after Chris Jones commits a game-costing penalty like that, he would be the guy to step up and okay, I'm going to get this big strip sack to end the game. No. Matt Ryan, for the first time in all season, that <laughs> final drive looked like Matt Ryan of what we know. Perfect passes, accurate passes, making the right read, and that's something that I haven't seen all season watching him. Yes, the Chiefs did miss on some opportunities, but so did the Colts. They had a lot of missed opportunities. Granted, both teams, however, capitalized on each other's mistakes. And I say that is the biggest takeaway from this game. Sky Moore mishandled the punt. Colts scored a touchdown. 
Matt Ryan fumbled twice within their own 30 to give the Chiefs the ball in the red zone. They both scored twice. Chris Jones, penalty, Colts scored. So it's not a Chiefs loss, Colts win. It's which team took advantage of their opportunities at the right time. I, I mean, I guess. I'm just, uh, there are so many things had to go wrong in order for the Colts to win this game. And honest to God, everything could have gone wrong if Harrison Butker's healthy in this game. The game is over. I'm sorry. We score at least four points. At least. He makes the point after. He hits the 34-yard field goal. And I don't care if it's 4th and 11 on the you know, on the 45. I still think he can make a 58-yarder. I have confidence. I think he's a top two, three kicker in the league behind Justin Tucker and name another because I, I, I don't Ryan think there's... Suck up. I don't think there's a better kicker in the league outside of Jay Tuck and... Harrison Bucker. So having that, even if he misses the 58-yarder, we win the game 21-20. to Now, you would have had you know implications because you would have gone for two on the last play. But anyway, my point is, so many things had to go right for the Colts. Congrats on your first win of the season, Mike. I hope you cherish it, and I hope the Colts like actually do something about it because right now they don't look so great, and I hope that they can bounce off of this. I'm, I'm having a crisis right now. What's up? Is this what I sound like all the time? Every single time the Jets lose, I'm like, oh, well, if the kicker didn't miss the uh, extra point that one time, if he caught that first down, if he didn't drop that touchdown, we would have won the damn game. Are you? All in, I hear out of you, you insulting is me is, are you? Are you saying I'm whining? The Chiefs lost. <laughs> oh my God! They're, they're not. Supposed God, to Jackson. Lose. They're not supposed to lose. Give though. the Colts the credit, man. They won the damn game. I don't really have much to say. I didn't watch the game. I was. It was hard for me to keep up with the one o'clock games because I was at the Jets game. The reception wasn't that good, and obviously, why would I keep up when I'm, you know, watching my team? All I saw was the score highlights, uh, the score updates, and the highlights and stuff like that. You know, clearly a controversial one, but Chiefs lost, Jackson. I hate to break it to you. Yeah, that's facts. All right, let me hear your loser, Justin. My loser is going to go to another AFC West team. The Las Vegas Raiders are the only winless team in the league. 0-3, you know, they're 0-3, they have yet to play the Chiefs, they still have to play them twice, they have to play the Broncos twice, and they have to play the Chargers again, and the NFC West, so it's really not looking good, you know, Chandler Jones, as of right now, has been a massive disappointment across from Max Crosby, and they're struggling with consistency and finding an identity, shocker, Josh McDaniels is not a good head coach, mm -hmm. who saw that one coming, definitely not me, you did, yeah, not me, uh, but yeah, 0-3 is really hard to come back from. I don't really know where you go from here. This is probably, if you lose again, if you're 0-4, complete rock bottom. And it's hard to blow up. Like, you can't just blow this up. You went out, you traded for Devontae Adams this offseason. He signed Chandler Jones to this huge deal. You're stuck with Derek Carr. You got a new head coach. Do you just fire him midseason? Like, what, what do you even do? How do you fix this? The Raiders are in a really tough spot. And I was a little skeptical when they went out and, got Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones because I'm looking at this division and I'm like you if there is one team that needs to throw in the towel in this division it's the Raiders and instead they went and tried to compete and now they're sitting here winless what I think they need to do is week one it looked like they were trying to force the ball to Devontae Adams they were trying to run their offense through him and Derek Carr threw three picks and you know they ended up losing the game to the Chargers and then week two they fizzled off of that and they were just letting Derek Carr read the field, you know, find who's open, and then not target Devontae Adams as much. 
ended up losing that game. And then against the Titans, again, let Derek Carr, you know, decide independently whom to throw to. Don't run the offense through uh, Devontae Adams. And that's fine if you're going to run the ball. Josh McDaniels has been a run-oriented offensive coordinator in New England, but they're not establishing the run game. They're still being a pass-heavy offense, but they're not targeting, you know, their most efficient weapon in Devontae Adams, in my opinion, a top what two receiver? Yeah, like or, get, or Darren Waller. Yeah, too. yeah, they're not targeting targeting Darren Waller either. You Hunter Mac, Renfro, Hunter Renfro, Mac Hollins, Mac is Hollins get, is, is getting out <laughs> is, is out targeting them. Like the the Raiders are receiver a one. They're a mess right now. And if you had a good head coach, it would be easy to anchor down and be like, all right, boys, this is what we got to do. But I just don't trust Josh Daniels uh, McDaniel's enough to bring this team and right the ship. So I honestly expect them to implode even more. And I'd be surprised if McDaniel's is the head coach past midseason. Damn. Yeah, I that's, mean, that's I think it's prediction. I think it's important to note there hasn't been an O and two team to make the playoffs since twenty eighteen. So it just goes to show how important it is to start off the season strong. And by that it, I just mean like, you know, right out the gate. This is not where I expected this team to be. I mean, Justin, I think you and I both had them near, if not in the playoffs. I I had them at no. You, I think you had them missing. I had them missing decently. I think yeah. You had like them with seven. like eight wins. Yeah. I had them with ten. So that goes to show. I mean, I, I definitely um, had some overshots uh, another, when it comes to the season. Sorry to cut you. Off. Another really interesting thing that I just realized now. John Gruden was relieved of his duties as head coach midseason. So now it would be two years in a row if McDaniel's really does get canned. Two years in a row with a coaching change midseason and interim head coach. What's that going to do to the team? Like the like. The team has to turn on each other at some point. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't go through four head coaches in less than two years, and you know expect the locker room to be a okay. It's got to be a toxic environment there. No, you cannot. All right, Mike. Last loser for this week. Break it down. So my loser is actually a game. It's not a team. It's not a player. It's a game, and that's going to be the Sunday night matchup with the Broncos and the 49ers. This was a game, the score was 11-10. to 10. Now, I'm saying that this was the worst game, and we saw a guy punt a ball into another player's behind. <laughs> yeah, we really did. Wow. The Broncos go to 2-1 and one on the season with the win. The Niners fall to 1-2. and two. And there's just so many bad 2 and 1 teams out there. I mean, you look at the Giants, the Bears, the Broncos. There's just I can go on, but there's just so many bad 2 and 1 teams. But the conversation right now is going to be the Sunday night matchup. Russ did not cook. He has not been cooking all season. <laughs> Sunday night he had 184 passing yards, 17 rush yards on 6 attempts with zero touchdowns. I mean, you trade all of that for Russ, and you barely beat the Texans, and you barely beat the, a banged-up 49ers team. I feel like the 49ers are always banged up every year. Yeah, I, it actually makes no sense. Every year, banged up, you know, under 500 at midseason, and then they squeeze into the playoffs and end up in the uh, NFC Championship game. And then, like, next year's their year, and then same story. That's good coaching repeat. right there. That's what it is. Shanahan, that's what I'm saying. But, dude... How sad is this that this was a primetime game? How depressing for NFL fans. You know, you look at the QBRs of the two quarterbacks. Jimmy G at 14.2. Wow. Russ at 32.9. Q 
okay, that's a little better, but it nowhere close to where it should be. You combine these, and it's just over what your QBR would be if you sat there and you spiked the ball the entire game. Wow. If you spike the ball the entire game, a.k.a. me, Justin, or Mike going out and playing quarterback for one of these teams, we would have had a higher quarterback rating at 39.6 than both Russell Wilson and Jimmy G. That's How sad is that? That is that's, that's, that's prime time right there. You know, I feel like every year the Sunday night and primetime matchups suck. Because I remember last year the, the Sunday night football games predominantly were not that enjoyable. Like, And especially this early in the season. Normally it's like later in the season when these games yeah. are already scheduled. Oh, the Dolphins are playing the Jags on Thursday night football. But now it's week three, week four, and you're like, these matchups are just not entertaining to watch. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to, you know, point out real quick, Russ sucks. You know, I – he looks washed. Like, there's really, like, it could be, like, oh, new head coach, new system. It's not even that. He just doesn't look good. Like, his capability is not what it used to be. And, you know, I went on record as saying this is going to be the worst contract in football in, in a couple of years. It already looks like the worst contract in football, especially considering everything you gave up. Like, multiple firsts, multiple seconds, multiple skilled position players in Shelby Harris, uh, Noah Fant. And then you give him this huge contract. And now he's out here tossing up a, what, 32.9 quarterback reading? Like, what's his QBR in the year? Is it above 60? Probably not, right? I mean, the way the three games have been playing, It definitely can't. not. Like, this is just embarrassing. Like, and I just think it's so ironic, too. I was like, oh, like, just the way his situation in Seattle ended was always him, like, me, 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 me. And now he gets his own thing, and he sucks. Yeah, forty-five point two. He's ranked twenty-first in the league in QBR. What's worse? That it got to be like guys who threw one pass because a quarterback needed to breathe. And it's it's funny because there are eleven other quarterbacks that have a worse QBR than him. Jimmy G might be one of them. But Probably. Anyway, Broncos country. You ain't riding. We are not riding. God. And the one thing about just the awful quarterback play. There was nothing exciting about any of the skill position players in the game. Jeff Wilson rushed for 75 yards with a fumble. Lost you a fantasy football Did lose game. me a fantasy football match. And Javante Williams, <laughs> 58 yards rushing. No receiver or any skill position player had more than 100 yards. Cortland Sutton had 97 yards. But there was just nothing exciting to happen. There's two touchdowns that scored all game. And the best part of the whole game was I think Dan Orlovsky's rejoicement moment and his I feel like a giant weight has been lifted off his shoulders and that's because you know he's famous for stepping in out of the end zone giving the other team a safety I believe it was against the Vikings Jimmy Garoppolo actually had a thousand IQ football play because instead of throwing the one yard pick six that he threw right before he decided to throw the ball he decided I'm going to save my team four points. I'm going to step out of bounds right. and give the Broncos a safety instead of giving them this one-yard pick six. That was definitely on purpose. Super IQ heavy. But hey, Mike, uh, what, do, what do we think about this fantasy matchup you and I had this past week? Shout out Jeff Wilson for fumbling on the last offensive play that San Francisco had. Mike was up by a point and a half, me versus him this week in my league, and Jeff Wilson fumbles, and your boy takes it home by half a point, giving him his first win of the season. That's 
You guys are you guys are headed for the to- you, that you're going to rematch in the toilet bowl this year. <laughs> you <laughs> both had, you both had under a hundred points this week. Yeah, we're uh, we're battling for who's going to be the human Sunday. Oh, yikes! Dang. I mean, it was a roller coaster of emotions on that last play. I believe it was like a 15 yard catch and run, and so we got t- 2.5 points. I win. Then he fumbles, and I just everything I just got I just lost. And I just remember <laughs> just sitting there in my bed watching the game. This Garbage game that I stayed up watching till, and that was just the saddest text I've ever sent Jackson. That, and that sucks. it's funny because if he would so because he fumbled, he doesn't get counted the yards that he got on the play. Because if if he would have got counted the yards on the play, you would have won by or you, I think we would have tied because it was literally like half a point difference, and you would have gotten you know you would have gotten two and a half for the play, and then you would have gotten minus two for the fumble. So. But yeah, that's that's fantasy football shenanigans, and that is all that we have for this episode. If you guys made it to the end, thank you so so very much for listening. You know, Mike and Justin and I all really appreciate it, and we hope that you continue to listen to our content in the future. But for now, that is all. So for Justin Valenzuela and Mike Federico, my name is Jackson Shank. We will see you all next time. Peace.